Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study where tonight our continuing study in 1 Peter brings us to chapter 3. Now the beginning of this chapter brings up that ever popular subject of wives submitting to their husbands. Now (laughs) as my pastor friend Ed Ray would say, if I were a smarter pastor I would just pass over that. Uh, we're not going to, though, because uh, this we're, we have no option. We're going verse by verse. Uh, I believe that when we're thrilled, we'll have a, uh, a better understanding of what uh, God is trying to tell us through the pen of Peter. So with that, let's open with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for our opportunity to be here and to be in your word. We thank you for your word that we're able to be in. We pray, Lord, that you send your Holy Spirit upon us, that you open our hearts and our minds to your word. And as always, keep me out of the way. And I pray this in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. Okay, chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and in fear, 
having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached in the spirits, pardon me, to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient. When once the divine suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to Him. All right. Here we go with the ever-popular subject of wives being submissive to husbands, where it starts off, as we said, just read, wives, likewise. Okay, likewise meaning just like in chapter 2, where we're all being called to submit or to honor, submit to or honor those in government, right? And those who are our employers, okay? It says here, be submissive to your own husbands, which doesn't mean that all women need to be submissive to all men. No, no. It's, it's being honorable, being, showing honor to your husband. This is what the submission is that Peter is referring to here. So that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. Okay, without a word. It's, you've heard me say this before, the St. Francis of Assisi quote that says, preach Christ, and if you must, use words. Okay, so without a word, these guys who are not, not believers, right, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Let me put it to you another way from uh, the, N- the New Living Translation where it says, In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words they will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. Now, case in point, I have to say that my father was not a believer when he married my mother. He did not come to know the Lord as his Lord and Savior until about a year before I was born, right? Okay, but my mother, being brought up in the church, was a believer, And I believe that by her conduct, she showed him what was going on. All right. Goes on in verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Merely. 
Ladies, please, please don't put all of your trust in your appearance. Okay? Now, this has also been uh, misinterpreted to say that all women should never cut their hair or never wear makeup or always wear long dresses. Not true. Okay? It says merely. It doesn't say don't do this. Don't let it be merely outward. Verse 4 goes on to say, rather let it be the hidden part, the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Incorruptible beauty, okay? Um, Which is very precious in the sight of God. We all grow old, and we may not be as... Ladies, you may not be as beautiful as you were when your husband married you. I'm not, I'm sure that I'm not the handsome young man that Pam married. <laughs> but that comes with age. Pam and I were blessed to watch a uh, Twilight Zone. That seems strange. Willie, why do you say blessed to watch a Twilight Zone episode? Well, for one thing, I like them. Uh, but this particular episode, uh, I think the, yeah, the, the uh, title of which is The Trade-Ins. And what it ends up being is that you have these old folks who go into this futuristic uh, place of business where you can trade in your old body on a new and vibrant one that will also last 100 years or more. Pretty cool, huh? So they're in here and they're looking at, they see these fine looking young folks and they, they pick the models out they want and they're all set to do this. And come to find out, they only had half what they needed. They only had half the money they needed, so only one of them could do it. Well, the wife said, hey, honey, you're the one who's got all the pain, and there'll be no more pain, so guess what? You get to do this. Well, after a series of other things, I'm not going to tell you the whole plot. Anyway, he does get the procedure. And he comes out, and he is doing, you know, uh, push-ups and cartwheels and all these kind of interesting things and he's this Adonis looking guy and he he's telling his wife how neat it is and he looks in her eyes and something changes next scene he's back in his old body and he looked at her and said just grow old with me it isn't all about looks it's all about that heart that we have okay that is very precious in the sight of God. Verse 5 goes on to say, For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves. Holy women. What does holy mean? Set apart. They are set apart by their faith because they trusted in God. Also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord. So from now on, ladies, I want you to always call your husband Lord. I think, Pam, that's a good idea. Maybe, oh, baloney. Uh, What that means is to show your husband's honor. Okay? Don't call him an Adam Henry. You know, just call him by his name. Uh, Because 
they, she called Abraham Lord, and whose daughters you are if you do good and not and are not afraid with any terror. Okay, by not submitting grudgingly. You know, this is a tough thing. It's, it's just like I talk about us having to submit to the Lord. This is how we become free. Well, the same thing happens with our relationships, our husband and wife relationship. That's how this works. And it goes on. Now we're getting over to the men. Husbands, verse 7 says, Husbands, likewise, there's that word likewise again, dwell with them with understanding, not just sharing a house, but sharing a life together. Okay, giving, there's this word, honor, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. Uh-oh, there's one of those, oh no, I'm, like, I'm triggered, I'm triggered calling women the weaker vessel. Oh no, well, that's not to say there aren't a lot of strong women, and I mean emotionally, some women are a lot stronger than men, but I'm talking about the physical. Here's a case in point. What's this? It's, uh, I'm looking, sorry, trying to find, I wrote it down. What happened here? Oh, there it is. Leah Thomas of the University of Pennsylvania is a swimmer. Actually, a transgender swimmer who was ranked 456th or something like that in the nation when he was swimming as a he, but now they're swimming as a she. He's breaking records all over the place. Give me a break. You know what? Even, even the more liberal of my friends seem to think this is a bunch of baloney. We recognize that men, in general, are stronger physically than women. It's the way God designed it. Don't fight it. It's not, a, it's not the deal. But it's not that we as men are to take pity on our wives being the weaker vessels. No, we are to honor. Okay? It goes on to say, and as being heirs together. Okay, Matthew 19 verse 5 says, when you get married, the two become one. So then you're being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, here it is. David Guzik says this, and this is pretty interesting. This was a radical teaching in the world Peter lived in. In ancient culture, a husband had absolute rights over his wife, and the wife had virtually no rights in the marriage. In the Roman world, if a man caught his wife in an act of adultery, he could kill her on the spot. But if a wife caught her, wife caught her husband, she could do nothing against him. All the duties and obligations in the marriage were put on the wife. Peter's radical teaching here is that the husband has God-ordained duties and obligations to his wife. Here we go. Generally, people, you'll hear that marriage is a 50-50 proposition. I always like to tell the couples that I am blessed to officiate at their weddings that that's a bunch of baloney. 
It's 100%, 100%. You put it all in. Because if you start keeping track, when you fall off, husbands, your wives will figure out, hey, he's only putting in 45%, so I'm going to drop off. And then guys look and say, well, she's only putting in 35%. I'm only going to... Baloney. 100%, 100%. You're always striving to do better for your spouse. Okay. Now, under the heading of called to blessing, verse 8 tells us, finally, all of you, meaning God's people, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Now, there's a big word, compassion. That just means having a heart for others, putting others before you, okay? Having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. You know, it's none of this, I don't get mad, I just get even baloney. That's not the deal. Do not return evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21 tells us this. This is Paul saying, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, and this comes from Proverbs, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's all about, and, and we talk, we've been talking about this throughout First Peter, Whereas you do things in a manner in which a non-believer can't call you out on something. They say, well, what do you mean? Well, look, look what, somebody will say, well, wait a minute, look what they're doing. They're not bums like you're calling them. Look what they've done for you. Okay. Verse 10 goes on to say, For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is a quotation from Psalm chapter 34, it's verses 12 through 16. It's great. Again, always remember this. Scripture interprets Scripture. So then when you see, when Peter is quoting Scripture here, it's for us to know, okay, this is, this is what's happening. Um, 
Refrain from his tongue, refrain his tongue from doing evil. We talked about that last week. Talks about gossiping, about your tongue saying things. And we've, we've talked about this before. The tongue is, you know, even though it's the smallest thing on your body, it can do a lot of damage, just like a rudder on a ship can cause it to crash, even though it's one of the smallest parts on the ship. Okay, this is easier said than done, but this is what we ought to do and, and keep our lips from speaking deceit and let him turn away from evil and do good. Okay, you know, Satan makes evil stuff look real good, makes it look real um, appealing. And he knows, he knows every sin that you really like. And he's going to make that look good. Resist the devil. Okay, verse 13 goes on to say, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? Remember, if God is for you, who can be against you? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Huh. You know, this is something. uh, Peter is a book of instruction and of encouragement. Sometimes sufferings like we're speaking of now, bring about good within our lives, okay? And this is the encouragement we need to have when we're going through suffering, okay? It says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed, and do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says, and do not fear those who would kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. All right. Now, it goes on to say, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Let me read that again. This is something you may have heard of before. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. This is the key to witnessing. Okay? You don't have to have at a armload of scripture to quote, but what you need to have is the reason that you have this hope that is in you, ready to be told to somebody. Uh, and it, I like this too, with meekness and in fear. Uh, in other words, uh, in a winsome manner. Again, I'm a broken record on this. We are called to be witnesses, not attorneys. Okay, we're not going to argue anybody into the kingdom. But what we do is we say, hey, look, look what Jesus has done in my life. If somebody asks you, this is what I have seen him do. And I trust him completely. Okay, verse 16, having a good conscience that when you defame, they defame you as evildoers, okay, those who reveal, revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. That's back. We talked about that last week in chapter 2. 
For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Okay, who do we look to as an example of suffering for doing good? Well, that should hopefully be an easy thing to answer. The perfect man, Jesus Christ, who suffered on the cross for your sins, for my sins, for everyone's sin. Okay? Verse 18 goes on to say, For Christ also, hey, how about that? For Christ also suffered once for sins, for the just and the unjust. Lucky thing. If he just did it for the just, it'll let us all out. We wouldn't be in that group. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Pretty much announcing his victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil. Isn't that, I, I quote that, I love that over sin, death, and the power of the devil. We, too, have victory through Jesus Christ. Okay? It says, To those who were formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. You know, a long time when Noah was building the ark. While the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Okay, that's something that is foreshadowed, okay? The deluge or the flood foreshadowed baptism. Okay, it says here, baptism, not the removal of filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. Key through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me back up a little bit here. It says, which now saves us, baptism. This is where some people get the wrong idea, the wrong impression that you are saved by being baptized. So many people said, well, I was baptized into this religion, so I'm saved. No, that's not true, because the key is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. People can be baptized and not have a relationship with Jesus not trust Him, not surrender to Him, not recognize that He is God incarnate and He is the only way for our sins to be forgiven. Verse 22 goes on to say, Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God? You know, in this ancient time, that was always uh, somebody who sat at the right hand of the king was the most powerful in the land with the exception of the king. Joseph, okay, we go back. Her buddy Joseph, my, one of my heroes of the Bible, uh, sat at the right, right hand of Pharaoh. He was a guy who was, he was a man what's in charge of uh, Egypt. And uh, this is what this is referring to is that Jesus, our interceptor, intercept, intercessor, I knew I could say it, our intercessor is there right with the Father. who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. Back to the deal about uh, being saved through baptism. 
Here's a scripture that you might dwell on if you're kind of struggling with that. Think about the thief on the cross. When he asked Jesus to remember him in his kingdom, what was Jesus' reply? Well, let me see your baptismal card. I want to see who, who baptized you. How would how, that go? No, 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 no. He said, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Thief on the cross was saved by faith. You're saved by faith. I'm saved by faith. And praise God that he gives that to us. All right. Now we're back to the questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks. Last week, my friend Doug Thompson uh, commented that, hey, how come we don't have an HRBS thing in the background? Well, there we go. Thanks, Doug. Looks good. And uh, so with that, again, if you do have any questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks, please feel free to talk to me about all that. And with that, let's just close with a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen.